It's amazing just how much of an impact you can have on someone else's life by just kind of, you know, fanning their flame a little bit. Todd, like, was like, hey, we got to get Jacob hooked up with this gig. Like, it's awesome. You know, like how much of an impact you can have on other people's lives like that. What's up? Welcome to the Loop Community Podcast. Yo, yo, yo. This is Matt McCoy. And Jansen Roberts. We're coming to you from the Chicago loopcommunity.com office. Love this place. It is a good place. It's, uh, you know, just a couple minutes ago, we had someone screaming in the middle of the <laughs> intersection. Who knows even what they were screaming about? Crazy taxi drivers is what it is. Right. And then the cops came and I don't know, it's always something. <laughs> But it's a good it's a good day here in Chicago. We like Chicago and today we've got a good podcast for you. I I really liked this one. This was a really I enjoyed this interview. And it might be because of just my history with Jacob. Um he's such a good dude and he's like really real. He just says I don't know, I just feel like he's really just saying exactly what's on his mind. Like there's not really a filter. Not like he's really even needing to filter anything. You know what I mean? He's a simple guy. He's yeah, just yeah, pretty humble and um, super talented. I remember seeing him here in, in Chicago a couple of times. Uh, maybe it was like a year and a half ago. Uh, saw him at a church when Matt Redman came, and he was drumming and doing all sorts of things. Uh, and then also I saw him at a uh, another concert downtown at a Johnny Swim concert. Right. Amazing, just awesome. Pretty, yeah, I think what's also what's encouraging about this interview is that. And maybe just for the listeners here, like if you actually just think about this as you're listening to the interview, I think what's cool is that, you know, just picture, you know, like a 12 year old Jacob, a 12 year old, you know, teenage kid who really just has these dreams of playing, you know, in uh, arena someday or for a big artist and thinking like, oh, will that dream ever actually happen? And you actually end up hearing uh, his story and how this dream actually really came true awesome when you wish (laughs) upon us no well i think we should just get into the interview let's do it here it is interview with jacob arnold all right well jacob welcome to the loop community podcast thanks for joining us yeah, thanks so much for having me. Where um, where are you located right now? Uh, I live in Nashville, just south of um, the city of Nashville. Are you in Franklin? No, I, I'm, uh, for anybody that knows the area, I'm 10 minutes south of Nashville between Berry Hill and Brentwood, basically. Nice. Yeah, I'm a Nashville guy. <laughs> okay, yeah. Dude, I love Nashville. That's the place that my wife and I are always like, maybe we should move there. Get some hot chicken. Yep. So what's your, where were you born and raised? Where are you from originally? Is it Nashville or somewhere else? No, we're, uh, my wife and I are both from suburbs of Atlanta, kind of outside of town, but Atlanta's so big, you can just kind of pretty much count anything within a 45 mile radius as Atlanta. Right. But, um, yeah, I'm north of Atlanta. She's, uh, 
kind of northwest of, of Atlanta. And our families are all still down there, so it's convenient to get down to visit. Yeah, it's not too far. How, how long have you been yeah. in Nashville now? Uh, we've been here for almost three years. And before that, we were actually living in Charlotte, North Carolina for about four years. And then we moved to, to Charlotte from, okay. from Atlanta. Awesome. So, so for those of you guys who are listening to this podcast, and if you don't know who Jacob Arnold is, Jacob's an amazing drummer, played with Matt Redman for many years, and probably a bunch of different artists, um, just producing and engineering and sessions. So, Jacob, I just want to pick your brain a little bit today, just about yep. all of that. You know, what it's like touring, uh, maybe how you guys actually run tracks when you when you play, what you what kind of technology you use to do that. But maybe just yeah. to start off, like just let everybody know here who's listening, just kind of like your story. Like, how'd you even get started playing music? How'd you get started touring and recording? Okay, it's a long story, but I'll try to do the brief version. I I took piano lessons as a kid. And, you know, it's mostly your traditional classical stuff. And I didn't really enjoy that. I joined the school band when I was like 10. And luckily I had had all those piano lessons so I could already read. And so I started doing really, really good in, in bands, you know, not playing just snare drum, but mallet instruments and timpani and, and all that stuff. So my original background is all like classical orchestral stuff. And then in high school, I started playing drum set and joined the jazz band and did all that. So my background is, is pretty strict, you know, technique and reading and, right. and, all, and all that. And then in high school is probably when I, when I started playing drum set is when I, at my church, that was probably the first time actually like the church that I went to started introducing worship music. So that's the first time I started playing in a church setting uh, was in high school, which may be late for a lot of people or, uh, yeah, or early my, my age or, or, or early depend. Yeah. It just depends on what age you are. But I think for my age, it, it seems like a lot of churches already had worship music going on for years, but I, you know, for yeah. where we were, it just wasn't happening. But what was, what was one of the first songs you remember playing? Um, one of the, f the first songs that stands out that I remember playing is actually how I taught myself how to play guitar. It's an old song called We Will Dance. And it's just, it's in D and it does this D, D sus thing. Yeah, oh. like, we will dance on the streets that yeah. are gold. Oh, man, that yeah. is like an oldie. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I saw the guy at church playing it and he just had his, you know, his hand in that D shape and was like not moving and i was like that seems really easy i should be able to figure that right. out you just move your pinky so, yeah. a couple times <laughs> that's exactly what i did um oh that's amazing drum, dude i mean just your typical lord i lift your name on high and you know yeah all man. those old all those old songs i'm a vineyard guy so i know yeah yeah all, all those old ones yeah so i mean fast forward a while uh i went to college for a year to study music but that didn't work out so well so i started i just got a job after that um and i played at my church worship music was really taken off yeah i was just playing at my church working i joined a band for a brief period of time and that i think that really taught me how to play uh with other players particularly a bass player but yeah so i played around at my church and then some of the bigger churches in town were bringing in some players and so this is probably age 20 or 21 uh, north point community church in atlanta they have a ton of locations and yeah i had met some guys and started playing around at north point when did you start playing with a click oh my goodness uh like a lot earlier 
in a band setting, drums with a click, probably, well, originally, man, it wasn't even with a click. It was just loops on a mini disc, and you'd play the mini disc for the whole song, and you would just crank that loop in your in your ears louder than anything to make sure you could hear it. <laughs> and, and so that was right. That was the timekeeper for a little while, but then, like when Reason came out, you know, you'd you'd pan click out to one side and a, and a loop out to the other side. And, so that was probably early 20s. Um, right. So um, then you were playing with North Point. That's really when they started doing more, you know, programming. There'd be some, maybe some extra guitars or a keys or, you know, keys track or something. And most of the time it was just them, you know, keyboard player running Pro Tools or something. But yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was like when it was first introduced to me to like how strict uh, church service timing can be now. You know, because you got to start a service and end a service in a certain amount of time so that the next service can get in on time. And they uh, they had things pretty well planned out for the length of the songs. And right. Yeah. So that was probably when it got really serious. You know, maybe it was an actual sequence and you had to play the song the exact way. Yeah. I just wasn't used to that, I guess, beforehand. It was a lot of it was just whatever the worship leader wanted to do. So at what so, point did you like decide, like, I'm going to be a professional drummer <laughs> was that in your mind even at this point at north point uh, you know it it was and it wasn't i I've, I've told some people this before and they always get mad at me when i say it but i wasn't really actively pursuing music when uh, some of the opportunities that i got came along um I, I guess the first traveling gig that i had was with my friend aaron keys he's from atlanta he's amazing uh, yeah. worship pastor and um I played with Aaron for a long time, and I think that's aside from when, yeah, that's when I started playing music for for money. But it was actually on the side; like I still had my job, and they were just gracious enough to give me time off when I need it. And yeah, there there was a point though. It was when I started working with my friend John Duke. We started making records together, and that got a little busier, and Aaron got a little busier, and so it was. I think it was just enough to where I could go contract with the job that I had. So I did that, and then it just slowly I started leaning towards music. And I got married when I was I got married when I was 25, and then just shortly after that, I got a phone call. It was just a referral from a producer named Nathan Knuckles. Yeah, and he was putting Matt Redman's band together, and he got my name from a worship leader at North Point, and it was funny because I, like I said, I wasn't pursuing it necessarily. I was just working and just taking opportunities as they came, um, which is kind of my whole story, really. Like every opportunity that I've had has just been word of mouth or referral or right or something like that, which seems a little backwards, especially as you know the, the music industry is a business and. A lot of guys are a lot better at marketing themselves than I am, than I am and I'd probably be busier <laughs> if I had some marketing skills. But yeah, um, yeah. So that's kind of how I got my start was just wow. friends calling and telling other friends, and you know things developed and started making records and playing on records and playing with other artists and yeah, yeah. I played with uh, Matt Redman for a long time. I think I started playing with him in 2009. So that's uh, a long time. That was quite a that was quite a phone call then from Nathan. I think. You know, I was just sitting there thinking yeah. that it's it's one thing to be on the receiving end of that kind of phone call. You know, totally. where it's just like like that could really that really like changed you know your life for. I'll be really transparent with everyone. Uh, I I was actually I was still in that phase of my life where uh, which a lot of people are still in, but I was uh, regularly sleeping in way past when my wife would leave to go to work in the morning. 
Right. And uh, the phone rang. I didn't recognize the number. And so I just let it go to voicemail. And then, you know, the ding happened that there was a voicemail. And I threw it on speakerphone. And <clears throat> it was Nathan. And I was like, why is Nathan Knuckles calling me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then he said Matt Redman. And I was like, why is Nathan Knuckles calling me mentioning Matt Redman? So, yeah, that was... Uh, that was it's yeah, awesome, yeah. And somebody organized that phone call. And it, so, yeah. you know, it makes you think that, like, okay, it's one thing to be on the receiving end of that phone call. That's like a phone call everybody wants to receive. I always, oh. I, I love answering numbers that I don't know because I'm like, you never know. It could be like <laughs> the president yeah, or something, absolutely. you know? Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's interesting that, like, somebody, you know, at North Point gave your number to Nathan. And yeah. it's just it amazing. Todd Field. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Todd. And, yeah. It's amazing just how much of an impact you can have on someone else's life by just kind of, you know, fanning their flame a little bit, you know, waving their flag. So many people hold on to their, you know, their own little world and don't let anybody else in. And like, yeah, here's, you know, Todd like was like, hey, we got to get Jacob hooked up with this gig. And that like yeah. pushed you out so you could soar. Like, it's awesome, you know, like how much of an impact you can have on other people's lives like that. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I I love Todd. And uh, I I honestly, even to this day, because I guess I look back and everybody progresses, you know, in their their skill level. But I look back and I I think, man, why did he refer me? Because when I think back to the kind of player I was when I was 25, I wasn't bad, but, you know, I wasn't amazing. Not saying I'm amazing now either, but I'm just, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it really was shocking and stuck his neck out for me. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, I'm grateful. Yeah, that's so awesome. I think everybody yeah. listening to this podcast, and even me, like, I just feel like we need to always be thinking about, like, who can we be that person for? You know, because, totally. like, like who, who can we, like, be like, hey, here's this kid's phone number. You know, we really believe in him. Have you ever wanted to use click and multitracks but have no idea how to practically implement it at your church? If so, Loop Day is for you. Loop Day is a full day training event where the Loop community team visits your church and teaches you how to enhance your worship services with technology, loops, and multitracks. You'll get hands-on experience and training at your church. We will host training sessions covering beginner and advanced Ableton Live techniques using Prime and Worship automating lyrics and lighting, sound check tips, and more. Loop Day can be customized to fit your church's specific needs. We also encourage you to invite other local churches to your Loop Day to really bring your community together. Loop Day is all about learning and worshiping together. If you're interested in Loop Day, send an email to training at loopcommunity.com. I mean, so then you started playing with Redmond. Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about that. Like, what what was that like? I'm sure you had a bunch of new songs you yeah. had to learn. And yeah, he sent about 30 songs or so, and it was just we had. I remember probably the first and maybe the only like outside rehearsal we've ever done, except for like record prep, you know, preparing for an album or something. But like that was probably the first and only time I can remember like the band getting together for a rehearsal for a you know a worship event. But it was literally just to run the songs, and we got there and ran the songs and it, it went great i think it was i think it was technically an audition slash rehearsal like an, you know a rehearsal if the audition went well but right. yeah it went well we played the songs and then we had an event up actually here in nashville not too long after that and um yeah i think going back to tracks and stuff i think we were we were planning to click on most of those or all of those but there weren't a lot of tracks at the time still for his songs there were some Right. What were you using? Like when you first started, what were you guys using to run tracks or loops or whatever it was? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it was. There were tracks. It was. Um, it was stuff pulled from a record or something that you know maybe Nathan programmed for the song. Yeah, and he he was running it out of Pro Tools, but I was used to with my time uh, previously with Aaron running uh, everything with Ableton. So I just offered, not saying that Nathan couldn't handle it, but I, I just think that the you know transitions between songs are a lot tighter in Ableton Live than they are using Pro Tools. Right. So I I just was like, you know, he was a Pro Tools guy because Nathan's a studio guy. I mean, he's a yeah, he's a totally. producer. So he's yeah. So I was like, hey, what if you send me the files? I'll import them in, and, and I just try to run through, uh, things through Ableton. And I think we noticed a, a big change in the pace, especially transitions and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. So then it was it was really simple. It was a simple rig. I think we did a little interface. So I would do stereo tracks and click mono, you know, just a single click line. And so it was really simple back then um and you know things progressed and we would we would do records or you know new worship songs that maybe matt would want to lead that were other people's songs maybe we would make a track for that or he'd have someone make a track for that so we went from that simple little three channel rig to the most recent rig was two laptops a um, radial auto switcher and two interfaces and so i had like a full redundant rig eight channels of audio so it was like keys tracks guitars tracks which i kept changing my output i kept trying to figure out landing on something that made sense but i think the last setup i had was like pretty much anything that was a tonal instrument was stereo and then we had some gang vocals for big choruses and stuff coming down a stereo channel and then all the percussion and stuff was a big stereo channel and then cues or guides or whatever you want to call them you know that that was a channel on its own and then click was a channel on its own okay yeah and a redundant rig yeah so both laptops uh which i was my control i was using my loop to most thanks to you guys yeah that's so I pause mean, there for a second so okay. community that's like that's actually how jacob and i met i was uh at willow creek um here in chicago and jacob was there with matt redmond you guys were playing for some event i don't remember what it was i think it was just a tour night like we were on a little tour run and i think that was just a worship night um, oh yeah it was yeah and so yeah. i was back in the green room and we met and we we were just starting the Luptimus kickstarter campaign to get them made yep. and i was telling jacob about like what Luptimus was and how it works and then kind of promised to send him you know one of the first ones and so <laughs> That was it. I, th- well, I think yeah. I brought you one uh, at Passion, yeah. right? Yeah, I made you a trade. I, I, brought, I got you into Passion for you to bring me a Luptimus pedal. <laughs> oh, right. I remember this. Yeah. That was a good um, trade. I definitely... It was a great trade. I still have it. I got, uh, I got the good end of that trade for sure. But yeah, I got into Passion, and you still have that, So you and you're using that yeah. to run tracks? Like, how do you, uh, yeah. how do you set I, it up? Yeah, I still use it. Well, first of all, the thing that I like about the pedal and the, the reason I started using it was, I mean, I had used like these other controllers that actually at one point, I think there's some videos when we were making um, Matt's record, Your Grace Finds Me. There's probably some videos on there somewhere. But at one point I had a, I had an iPad running Touchable or some, you know, t- some app. And then I had another, a different foot controller that was a MIDI pedal. So I had like all these things that I was using to run Ableton the way that I wanted to run. Ableton. And what I mean by that is I would like break up the songs into sections, which I know a lot of people are doing now, um, so that you can kind of jump around within the song. But the only way that I could think of to do it was, uh, was with that touchable app on the iPad. And so I could see the song broken up and right. 
and uh and touch the section of the song but it it's still just like it wasn't it wasn't really doing it for me so when i saw the lives in this pedal and saw what it could do and you know changing the banks and the fact that you had all those buttons for you know per bank i was like oh my gosh this is like made for the way i mean obviously you made it for a reason and it was a good reason and it's exactly what i needed so yeah yeah, I just run it in default mode and um, cool. like one song is one bank. Yep, usually one song is one bank, and I'll program kind of key parts of the song to the to the six different buttons, and I have it all taped up. Uh, well, I had it all taped up. I've been using it for a different purpose lately, and so I took all my colored tape off, but. I yeah. moved the start button or the button one is actually button three so that I don't have to move my foot as far, you know, when I'm starting or stopping songs. So for me as a drummer, you know, the less I have to move my leg over. So I, I use button three on the on the bottom row there as my start button. And yeah, and then the rest of it's like, you know, choruses and bridge and verses nice. and all that stuff. So, yeah. so when you so I would just map everything out and, and uh, every time I would get a set list, I would just have to go map it out. and Right. Okay, so so Matt Redman will give you a set list. So mm-hmm. when you guys are playing, are you playing through the song all the way through, or is there are there ever times where Matt's like, let's do mm-hmm. another chorus? Like, are you actually doing like song sections? Are you actually jumping around very much, or no? Um, we yeah, we weren't really doing. We weren't really straying much from the original form of the song. Right. I think one of the main reasons I started doing it was just a quick, a really quick way to, even if like in sound checks and stuff, to check different sections of the song and. Right. But also, but also just in case, like let's say he did want to go, you know, double a chorus or double a bridge, or just like having the songs all broken up like that was like. Yeah. It, it just gave much more flexibility. Or, or let's just say, you know, forbid someone messes up or you know we get off a beat or something like that, then it's very easy to get back to, on to correct yeah, yeah. so i know i've kind of noticed like when i'm leading you know i'll really play the song through the track like the arrangement that it is and then if i do change mm-hmm. it up it's at the end of the song anyway so like right yeah i feel like most people kind of do that now yeah and then by the, the song right and by then the track's over so then you just do your spontaneous chorus your bridge or whatever yeah it's it's pretty rare yeah. that i'm like actually in the middle of a song that we had already rehearsed a bunch of times i'm actually like throwing in another chorus right um, it is rare it's rare. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's it's rare. I, I think you're right. It's more common for for most leaders if they're going to go somewhere. It's probably going to be when the song's over, which is which was the case for us too, honestly. Right. With Matt, like you know, or the song here for you, for example, we would you know jump back into a kind of a flowy section and then do the do another big bridge section at the end of that song. You know. Right. There's plenty of where that would happen. So you've played it like passion. I'm sure mm-hmm. all sorts of different uh, conferences. Are you kind of noticing that like most of these bands are all using Ableton Live and playing with tracks? Oh yeah, I mean I, I don't know. I know some people or some folks, especially uh, if it's a keyboard player, maybe that's that's also running the tracks. Sometimes I'll see a keyboard player who maybe uses Mainstage because they're trying to like you know they want to run tracks and you know all their sounds and everything through Mainstage. But for the most part, I've been seeing Ableton. Um, I think that's just kind of the most common thing that it's funny i don't even think you probably know better than i but uh, i don't even think it was created for for that yeah not really i mean it was i guess it was created well, it was for like djs a, it was like a dj software yeah yeah so now it's kind of like a playback rig you know like the most stable playback platform that's ever been right totally oh man. yeah so when you're not playing with matt what do you what are you doing lately uh the, well actually it's funny i just sleeping in it's been yeah 
I changed my sleep schedule. I like to yeah. end like I was when I was 25. Um, actually, the last few years, I've been picking up more and more shows with this band, Johnny Swim. Uh, it's a husband and wife duo, um, and they're just amazing people. And it's a really, really fun show. It's not a, it's not a Christian band, but they are Christians, and so we really, I mean, we kind of treat it like worship. It's you know, right? Like it's I'm pretty sure most all the shows I've done. I'm pretty sure we've you know we've had some some prayer time before, and some have been more serious than others. You know, serious uh, prayers than others. But uh, right, right. Yeah, we really treat, you know, it's still kind of an act of worship going into clubs and bars and stuff and hoping that maybe somebody's life will get changed that night. Maybe even though we're not necessarily singing about Jesus, uh, that yep. that they'll they'll receive something that could maybe change their life. Yeah, I totally believe that. Yeah, oh, so awesome. there's, I mean, with them a bit. And then something I've really been trying to, to focus on is actually my studio at home. I've got a, a little space at home that, I primarily just do drum tracking um, for people. There's a few producers here in Nashville and even some stuff just people finding the website or Instagram or whatever and just send me a, a track that they need drums on and I can, uh, you know, multi-track drums here and send them all the files and they can have real drums on their song. So I do a, a fair amount of that and yeah, whatever else comes. <laughs> That's awesome. Are you, uh, Yeah. and you're in Nashville. So you're, mm -hmm. I mean, you're surrounded by so many talented people. Um, yeah. And, and probably people that you, I mean, just friends of yours that you probably know just from touring and uh -huh. everybody yeah. seems to be there. Yeah, there's, uh, it's crazy, man. Like, I know it's been the music or one of the big music hubs for a long time, but I feel like even it, just in the last few years and everybody has been moving here. It's crazy. I was just, uh, my birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday. Happy um, birthday. That's I, awesome. I, uh, I celebrated it with a buddy of mine, Casey Moore. He's a guitar player from Leland, and his birthday was also yesterday. So. Oh, that's cool. A friend, a friend had a Memorial Day party, but they, they kind of turned it into a little happy birthday yeah. thing for the two of us, too. But, yeah, so there's, there's just people everywhere. And I'm constantly meeting players that are in other bands or play with other artists, and it's crazy that how many people are here. Yeah. Well, so to close this out, what would you, you know, if we, if there's like a, a drummer listening to this podcast, what's maybe a little bit of wisdom or advice you'd give them, you know, they're playing in their, at their church on Sunday mornings or on a weeknight. Is there any uh, little tidbit kind of like solid advice you'd give worship drummers? I would say dream big. You know, I've seen in my life in the last 10 years, I've seen a lot of my dreams you know, as a kid come true. And like I said before, it's not like I did anything magical or, you know, did some, you know, there's some formula to make this stuff happen. I can say the Lord's been really kind to me and feel free to have amazing, huge dreams. Uh, but also don't be afraid of just getting a job and working and serving your church. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what I was doing. And um, so I would say, you know, feel free to dream or even move to a big music town and, and, uh, and be a better marketer than I am. <laughs> right. But yeah, have big dreams and, and believe that, you know, the Lord can see them true in your life. That's good, man. Well, thank you for taking the time to join us on this podcast. And we appreciate what you're doing in the worship community Absolutely. and big fan of your music. And of course, Matt thank Redmond's you. music as well. And so... Hopefully we'll get to connect again soon. Let me know if you're in Chicago. Come hang out with us. I'll do it. All right, man. Thanks, bro. Thanks for talking. Have a good day. All right, see ya. 
Hey Loop community, it is time for the Contributor Spotlight. This month's Contributor Spotlight is Matthew Aldridge. Matthew's been a contributor since 2011, so almost since the beginning. He's from New Zealand, and he went to Otago University for his bachelor's in music with guitar proficiency. Matthew's favorite instrument is guitar. He has a huge track library on our site, so definitely go check those out. And he knows Ableton and Mainstage really well. You're actually going to get to hear from Matthew right now a little bit, and then we're going to play for you one of his tracks that he created, Limitless by Planet Shakers. Hey, my name is Matt Aldridge. I'm from the South Island of New Zealand. Uh, I live in Christchurch, and I'm part of Equippers Church Christchurch. I've been a part of Loop Community for the last five years. So Loop Community has helped my church by um, providing heaps of tracks for songs that we do. And for me personally, it's been a source of income. It's been uh, helpful in helping me further my career in music, um, as well as develop my skills and abilities. And I've been able to help the church through that as well, and um, also provide that to many churches. So it's, it's great to be part of that community. I am LC. Awesome, thank you, Matthew. It was great to hear from you. And now, community, we're going to play for you a track he created for Limitless by Planet Shakers. You know, I didn't realize that um, he is a native Atlantan. I'm oh, from Atlanta, too. Right. You got an Atlanta hat on right now. That's right. I do. Yeah. I love Go Braves. But uh, I didn't know he was from there originally. Yeah. That's... And uh, I also didn't know some of the ministries and people he's played with, like like North Point and yep. um, like getting involved with guys like Aaron Keys, um, Nathan Knuckles. Like, I had no idea that that's, like, all part of his background, which is pretty awesome. Right. And and that now that he's also playing with, like, Johnny Swim. I mean, how cool is that? Honestly, my mom, my, uh, not my mom, my <laughs> wife. <laughs> well, I won't, I won't say anything about that. <laughs> my wife thinks I'm, like, so cool now that I, like, she loves Johnny Swim. She discovered Johnny Swim this summer. And honestly, she, like, listens to the same song over and over and over and over. And she thinks it's, like, so amazing that. Yeah. I talked to the drummer from Johnny Swim. And your and your mom too. And my mom also yeah. thinks it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh he's pretty awesome. I think he mentioned John Duke in there, like knowing John Duke. Oh yeah. Is that um is it James Duke? Is that his brother? John and James Duke. I think they play with Matt Redman. Because I saw James or, too. Like he's a pretty amazing guitar player. Yeah. But I didn't know he was like he has so many connections and like what's what's I thought it was pretty awesome about this interview was that when he was talking <laughs> it was almost like you remember the part where he was talking about yeah I was just at home chilling got a phone call let it go to voicemail right and then you know just happened to be you yeah. know the connection that he has to Matt I Redman know. and like 
It's pretty amazing. I thought that was the coolest thing about this entire interview. And I think it's because I just love the idea of underdogs. I love the idea of underdogs, like really, you know, succeeding. And, and, but I think what was really cool about that story was that Todd Fields, you know, I think what Jacob said, he was like a teenager or something, a drummer at his church. Mm -hmm. And Todd, you know, really, um, waved Jacob's flag, (laughs) you know, like he helped Jacob's dream come true. And I feel like a lot of times, you know, guys who are in positions at churches who have kind of climbed the ladder and now they're at the top, they are playing King of the Hill now (laughs) Yeah, and they will do everything they can just to remain at the top. Yeah, And they don't even acknowledge or care about the young teenager who has the dream to do something. And I think what's so cool is that here's Todd, you know, who is, you know, probably King of the Hill at that church, but he didn't use it to push everybody else down. Instead, he used it to pick up the phone and be like, Hey, you know what? There's this guy named Jacob, who's a great drummer and he would be perfect for this gig with, with Matt Redman. Yeah. And what a powerful thing yeah. to Every, do for someone. Everybody needs that Paul and Timothy kind of synopsis in their life, right? Like you're being, you're being a Paul to someone and you are a Timothy to someone. So it's like, where are you in your, in your season of life? There's someone that's building into you and you're building into someone else. And right. that's very, very important. Right. Yeah. And if you're not, I mean, you should think about that. You know? Right. Yeah. Not just defending it for yourself. And so I, I like related with him on a couple of ways. Like obviously he's from Atlanta, um, you know, both love music, but he, one thing that I also didn't realize was that he kind of has like a background with like more of a conservative theoretical thing oh, with yeah. music, like classical type things. And I took a lot of like lessons like that too, and started off with very conservative and classical background. So uh, to see him kind of go from where he was in that to like, okay, then he went into high school band, uh, like marching band, I think it was percussion, and then into jazz band. And then he like went to this church that had a worship setting. And then, you know, and so one thing I really appreciate appreciate about him as a musician, like he, there's a difference between a drummer and a musician. And it's it's really easy to pick on drummers because they don't have to play any notes. They just, you know, they're just hitting things basically all the time. But the difference between a drummer and a musician is that they take the initiative to push themselves to learn new things. Mm. Right. So like when I saw him, uh, playing for Matt Redman and when I saw him play for Johnny swim, he wasn't just like playing behind the kit, but he had like, he had a Lubitimus on the floor. He was controlling tracks with that. He was like their track guy. And he also had like an electronic drum pad off to the side. So like in between songs, he would have to get up, from behind the drum set, walk over to this drum pad and like he had pre-programmed sounds that he was doing for the next song. And then he, in mid song, he'd go back over to the drums. I mean, it was like crazy. Right. And so like, plus being able to, you know, do some recording and have that kind of a mindset is just, I really appreciate people that stretch themselves and push themselves to be a musician. Right. Yeah. I thought it was also cool how, you know, here's a guy who's played in worship music for so long at churches, you know, worship conferences with worship artists. And now he's playing for not really a worship artist, you know, Johnny Swim. But he said, I love that what he said that he's like, we treat it like it's worship. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not playing even, I mean, I don't know. Actually, I'm not familiar with Johnny Swim's music that well. Is it Christian music? 
it's it's not like it's very um <laughs> like moral like morality is very right. neutral in their music so it's just like a lot of feel-good songs yeah uh, and you know it's not like about life and love yeah it's yeah. like it's, it's a lot of life and love stuff yeah yeah so i love that he's like you know we're playing at bars and we're treating it like worship meaning that we're like you know we're praying beforehand yeah that people who are at that show you know in this bar that their life would be changed and i think that that's such a cool thing because i remember david crowder maybe oh my i don't even know when it was five ten years ago did a whole tour where they just did they just played bars wow i don't know that they did like 20 shows or something like that and they went to just different bars around america and they played you know david crowder music but I thought that's just such a cool idea of like, you know, what a great way to be a light in a dark place and that they're really treating it like a ministry opportunity. Because I do really agree that, you know, there's times when I've gone to, you know, a concert that's not a worship band and I have had a worship experience in a way, um, you know, listening to, you know, Coldplay or something like, and and it just moves you emotionally and maybe the lyrics at all, I'm not even thinking about that, but just the music of it moves you emotionally where you just know that there's like a God, you know yeah, what I mean? Like totally. it is almost like a worship experience. Yeah. And so I just love that they were, they're kind of using it like that. It's really cool. Who in your life was a Todd Fields for you? Oh gosh. Uh, I had a guy in probably my teenage years who had just graduated from music college and I was looking at wanting to go to college for music. And so I was kind of like singing and performing in different places and stuff and like, um, leading worship and stuff for our church. But there was a lot that I just, I was really green, you know? So here's this guy who like has all the tools in his tool belt and he is like fresh, with a lot of experience from college and these types of things. So when he actually got the job at our church of the worship pastor, there were a lot of things that I had just no idea about. And so he began to like see that I had a hunger for that. And so he kind of took me under his wing and kind of just built into me like a lot of things before I went off to school so that I was kind of ready yeah. and not just like music itself, but just life. And yeah, it kind of prepared me for some things and made me see some things differently. So that he was like very instrumental in getting me <laughs> from point A to point B at a young age. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. What it's so you? important uh, for me. I've, I feel like I've had throughout my course. So I have been leading worship for the past 15 years and I do feel that I've had a handful of people who have been a Todd Fields in my life mm-hmm. who have been encouraging me and giving me opportunities. And I've probably also had a handful of people who <laughs> were doing the opposite, yeah. suppressing it yeah. and keeping the center stage for themselves. And, uh, but there was a guy named Robbie Ryder in Cincinnati at the vineyard church there who really, I mean, I was just a young kid. I was like 16 years old and he just really, invested in me. He spent a lot of time with me. He'd meet with me once a week for coffee. He didn't have to do that at all. Like he would let me co-lead with him and he brought me to songwriter retreats. I mean, I'm just like a 16 year old unexperienced kid, but he really believed in me. And that, that really can set someone's course for the rest of their life. Totally. You know, having someone who just believes in you and yeah, it's good. So let's, uh, you know, I find it challenging, you know, that you and I, you know, I'm not saying that we're king of the hills at all, but I do think that 
everybody probably is a king of some hill, whether it's, yeah, <laughs> maybe it's a small hill. Yeah. But we all have ways that we can be influential and help younger leaders, younger creatives to succeed and to fan their flame a little. Totally. Yeah, I agree. 100%. It's great. Great stuff. All right, you guys. Good talking with you, Jansen. Yep. You too. <laughs> See you later. Thanks for listening to the Loop Community Podcast. Seriously, though, you haven't subscribed yet? Come on, it's free.